this morning message, we're continuing on on the, the theme, the general theme of preparation for revival. We're in part eight. And we're going to be looking this morning at seeking God's face. Or, yeah, seek God's face. And it's part of the part of 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. And 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, as we've we've heard very we've heard a lot lately, but I believe it is a I believe it's the key verse for the church in America today. And 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. God is saying, well, if you do four things, there's four conditions. If you will humble yourselves, and we looked at that last Sunday morning, and pray. Second one was pray. And then the third one was to seek my face. Seeking God's face. That's what we're going to be sharing about this morning. And then the fourth condition was to, be, to turn from your evil ways. If we do those four things, that's speaking, that number four is speaking of repentance. And it says, if we do those four things, if we do those four things, God will do three things. God gives us three promises. He will hear our prayer. He will, secondly, he'll forgive our sin. And thirdly, he will heal our land. And, you know, that our nation, you know, our nation, it needs to be healed. Our nation, America, for the first, you know, time all these hundreds of years since it existed, uh, it is broken. It is away from God. It is backslidden. And we desperately need revival and that this nation will be healed. And as, as I mentioned last Sunday morning, this promise, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it was given to Solomon regarding the nation of Israel. And it was the time when the temple of Solomon, that magnificent temple, there'd never been a building like it, it was being dedicated. And it says, if my people, so it's addressed to not to the unbelievers, it's addressed to God's people. It's addressed to believers. If my people, who are called after my name, will humble themselves and so on. And it was at the time when that was given to Solomon. It was in the seventh month, which is the month Ethanam. And that month is the month where the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated. 1 Kings 8 and verse 2. And... We, we're familiar that the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast associated with revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles is revival and a great harvest of souls in the nations of the earth in these last days before the return of the Lord Jesus. And in verse 12, verse 12, 13, 14, verse 12 the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. It was the second time the Lord has appeared to him. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And then in verse 13, Solomon is saying, well, if, if, if the nation turns away from thee, if this happens, if this happens. And the last seven words of verse 13. So in other words, immediately prior to 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says, if I send pestilence, or plague, or pandemic, 
among my people. And as, you real, as we all realize, the nations of the world were going through COVID-19, and it's not a short time. It's been going on really since March, and it's a major pandemic. Even in America, I think, there's, I think worldwide, there's something like 700,000 people who have died because of it. Because of it. And it's a, it's a major pandemic, and it's caused, you know, it caused changes in virtually every nation of the world, and unprecedented changes in the nations of the, of the world. And so we're going to look this morning at that second, third phrase in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called after my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. God promises if we seek him, we will find him. Not if we're half-hearted, but if we're if we're full on for the Lord, if we seek for him with all of our heart, God will be found when we seek him and when he takes first place in our lives. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 15. This is in the time of King Asa. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. They sought God. They were seeking God with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest about him. Now, I want to look at King Asa of Judah. And the words of Azariah the prophet to this, this King Asa, he said this in 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 2. The, the prophet said to the king, King Asa, The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, if you seek him, he will be found of you. If you search for him, if you seek him, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And then verse 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all of their heart, and with all of their soul. Now Asa, he began well, seeking the Lord, and God gave him a great victory over the Ethiopians. But sadly, Asa did not end well. Instead of relying on the Lord and seeking, seeking him, he turned to a heathen king for help, against the apostate ten tribes, against Israel. And at the end of his life, he had a disease in his feet, but he didn't seek the Lord. Instead of seeking the Lord, he just turned to the physicians, 2 Chronicles 16, 12. So Asa, and then he, then he died. Asa did not die just because he, he sought the physicians. No, but because he failed to repent from the sins which were the cause 
of his disease. And he refused to turn back to God whom he'd forsaken. When he was young, he followed the Lord. Then he forsook the Lord and he, he would not repent and turn back. He died before his time. It is always very tragic when a person starts well on their Christian journey and yet has a miserable ending. You know, there's many hindrances to seeking God. You know, if we set our hearts to follow the Lord, to seek God, to seek to draw nearer, to seek to draw closer to him, the enemy's going to do everything he can to stop us, to hinder us, and get us involved in so many other things. And we need to realize this and guard against it. So some, we'll look at some hindrances to, to seeking God. In Luke 8, 8 and verse 14, and that's the familiar parable of the sower. And it's about the seed that fell on the, the, the ground that was full of weeds. And all it came up well. The good seed came up well. But then we know the story. The sun, when, when it grew up and then it was... The sun came, the water came, but the, 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 the weeds all around it, they, they grew up faster and they choked it out. They choked it out and the good seed died. And in Luke 8, 8 and verse 14, Jesus said, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Cares, riches, pleasures. And what's the result? They bring no fruit to perfection. You know, there's no heart, they don't multiply. There's no, there's no maturity. There's no perfection. There's no fruit. The weeds cause it to wither and die. And if we are going to seek God's face, in many in America, are, I mean, there are those who are turning. They're seeking God's face. There's, many are coming to, from all over America to Washington, D.C. Many are praying for this nation. Many, part, many towns, many cities. And the nation desperately needs prayer. But if we're going to seek God's face, often there must be a decluttering and often a removal of certain things from our lives. And Jesus names three in this verse. Number one was the cares, cares of this life. And, and Paul tells us we must not worry. We must not be anxious. Or this will it'll affect our spiritual life. It'll affect our seeking God. Paul says, again, a familiar verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about anything. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. And then he promises the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we must be careful. We do not get entangled with the things of this life, the cares of this life, so that there's no time to seek God's face. You know, some, many people, they want to seek God's face. In their heart, they say, yes, I want to, God, want to seek God's face. But 
the problem is often their life can be so cluttered up with other things that it just doesn't happen. And so the cares of this life, we, they, we need to unclutter things from our lives, get rid of things from our lives so that we have time to seek the Lord and accomplish God's purposes for our lives. The second thing that Jesus mentioned, the second hindrance to seeking God is, is riches. Jesus warned many times about the danger of riches. He tells us, now, there's nothing wrong with money, of course. We need money to, to live, to survive. But Paul writes to Timothy, he says, the love of money, that passion for, for desire for money, it is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. And we need to be careful. And then thirdly, pleasures. Pleasures of this life. Proverbs 22, 17. He that loves pleasure, pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loves wine and oil shall not be rich. Now, it is true. It is true that we do need times of relaxation, times to come aside and rest, as Jesus said. But we need to be very careful that pleasures do not consume our time and consume our thinking and our time that we don't seek after God. And so in these warnings, in this verse, these men and women who are held captive by cares and riches and pleasures will find it is very difficult to seek God's face and they will never bring to perfection the glorious fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then a fourth hindrance you know, something we've got to watch against and, and make sure that, 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 that there's a separation from worldly filthiness. In Ezra 6 and verse 21, and all such as had separated themselves, they separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen in the land. All the ways of the heathen and the filthiness of the heathen. And they separated themselves from that. And the purpose was to seek the Lord, to seek the Lord God of Israel. And, you know, they did eat and they ate of the feast at the time of the feast of the unleavened bread. But there was a separation first. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1 speaks about, you know, separation of, of, from all filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh. We're to be separated from those things so that we can seek after the Lord. When we seek the Lord, when we seek the Lord or seek after God, you know, there's many wonderful promises in the Scriptures. There's a promise of being hidden or being preserved even in the time of judgment. And I believe, I believe, not only... A revival is coming, but judgments are coming as well. Zephaniah verse 2 and verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have done his ju judgment or his justice. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So in other words, a promise of, of protection, being hid in the time of judgment, if we seek the Lord. 
Second promise of those who seek the Lord is that God will manifest his goodness to us. His goodness to us. Lamentations 3 verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. The soul that seeks God, we will find God's goodness being manifest abundantly in our lives. Thirdly, those who seek the Lord, there's a promise God will help you. God will help you in the difficulties and the problems that you're facing. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 4. And this was about King Jehoshaphat. And he faced a a great enemy, three nations against him. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord out of all the cities of Judah. And they came, they came together, they all gathered together, what for? To seek the Lord, to seek the Lord. And then the rest of that chapter tells how God gave them a great victory and how God helped them. All the enemies, instead of fighting against Judah, they turned against each other and killed, all, killed themselves. God mightily helped them. And then if we seek the Lord, there's the promise of rewards, not just only in this life, but in eternity. Hebrews 11 verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him, but he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. And some of the words of Jesus. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And we're not only, not only to seek the Lord, we're also called to seek out for the lost. And Jesus is our pattern. He's our example. And as the Son of Man, he came to seek the lost. You know, God wants to use us and anoint us and give us boldness that we would reach out and seek the lost and seek, and seek to bring them into the kingdom of God. And for them to be saved and to seek the Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 7. Part of that verse is seek and you will find. And in the Greek for that, it's seek and keep on seeking and you will find. You know, sometimes we seek for a little bit, but we're called to continue, to press in to seek the Lord, to persevere in seeking, to endure in seeking, seek and keep on seeking. But the promise is we will find. Luke 15, Jesus speaks about the parable of the lost sheep. The farmer, he had 99 sheep. One was lost. What did he do? He went out and searched for it. It was lost through ignorance. And God's calling us to seek after those who are lost. Those who have been in church before. Those who are backslidden or turned away. Do we pray for them? Do we seek after them? Luke 15, also there's another parable Jesus gives. The parable of the lost coin. 
And this lady, she'd lost one of her coins, silver coin. It was a, a drachma. It was about one and a half days' wage. But that was very valuable to a poor woman. And she lost one of the ten. And she searched and she searched and she searched. She searched everywhere, every corner, every little possible place, until she found it. And when she found it, she gathered the friends together. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. What was lost is found. And the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13, one of the parables Jesus told there was the parable of the pearl of great price. You know, the greatest treasure we can seek after, the greatest is the Lord himself, is the Lord himself. A pearl of great price. That's why the Apostle Paul said, his greatest desire, that I might win Christ. The greatest treasure is the Lord himself. And it was the pearl of great price. Pearls are the product of suffering. The gates of the heavenly city are made of pearls. And Paul said that we must, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Christian life, the scripture nowhere says it's a bed of roses. In fact, Paul says the opposite. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. There will be difficulties. There will be trials. There will be pandemics. There will be much more that is happening in the, in, in, in the nations of the world. Doesn't mean we'll escape these things, but God is with us. God is with us. God will help us. God will use us. We can experience his manifest presence. It is those who seek Christ and seek a deeper relationship with him they're the ones who are going to find the pearl of great price. Think of Moses. Moses was one. He, his, he, was, he, had, he was one who was seeking God. He had a burning desire to seek God, to follow hard after God. God's abiding presence had become his consuming desire. And he says in Exodus 33, 18, I beseech you, I plead with you, Lord, show me your glory. And at that time, he did not see God's face, but he saw a measure of the glory of God. He saw the back parts of God as God passed by. But about 1,500 years later, Moses this time he was in his glorified body, body. And he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was with Elijah. And Jesus was there. And Jesus had been transfigured. His countenance was altered. And his raiment was white and glistening. Luke 9, 29. And Moses and Elijah, in their glorified bodies, they talked with Jesus. His raiment was glistening. The Greek is the Greek word exastrapto. It means to flash with lightning, to gleam, to be radiant. And even after Moses had died, you know, his prayer lived on. 
You know, that day he saw the Lord with all his radiant glory. God is so much more for each one of our lives if we will seek his face and continue to seek his face. I want to close with a testimony of what happened in October 1996, about 24 years ago, in Houston, Texas. And the person who was used of God in that time was evangelist Tommy Tenney. And God had given this, this man of God a, a new hunger for God, had been birthed in his heart. And you know, he wanted to seek, press into God, to seek God, seek God's face in a new way. And he somehow, somehow sensed the destiny was waiting. And he was invited to come and speak at this friend's church in Houston, Texas. It was a good meeting, a special time. And then the pastor invited him to, to stay in Texas an extra week and stay for the following Sunday. And he accepted the invitation. And there was a sense there that, that God was up to something. And again, God's presence was there. And on the Sunday, nobody wanted to leave the building after the Sunday night service. And the pastor asked Tommy, Evangelist Tommy, what shall we do? And so he replied, have a prayer meeting tomorrow night, Monday night, with no agenda. 400 people turned up. Tommy was invited again, and, and it was obviously a special time. Tommy was invited again for the following Sunday. And there were two morning services, one at 8.30 and one at 11 a.m. And as Tommy was praying for the services, again he sensed a heavy anointing, a brooding of the Holy Spirit, and he wept and he trembled. And as he walked into church that morning, the presence of God was already in that place. And it was in so heavily that the air was thick. You could hardly breathe. The musicians were clearly struggling to continue their ministry as their tears got in the way. Finally, the presence of God hovered so strongly that they could not sing nor play any longer. And the worship leader, leader crumbled in sobs behind the keyboard and muffled sobs broke out throughout the church. The pastor then went up to the pulpit as he felt to read out Two, same verse we've been talking about. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. And at this point, Tommy felt something was going to happen. And he walked from the front row. We were seated in the front row. And he walked right down to the back where the sound desk was. And he stood by, and he stood by the sound desk. And the pastor was at the pulpit. And at the clear pulpit... And this pulpit was made of, 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 of a, a high-tech acrylic plastic. You know, one of these very light pulpits, but they're very strong and made out of this special acrylic plastic. And the material of this pulpit, the engineers said, it was able to withstand tens of thousands of pounds of pressure per square inch. And so... The pastor read 2 Chronicles 13, 
if my people will humble themselves. He read it. And then the pastor gripped the edge of the pulpit. He gripped the edge of the pulpit with trembling hands. And he said, the word of the Lord to us is to stop seeking God's benefits, but to seek him, to seek his face. We are not to seek his hands any longer, but to seek his face. You know, many people, they seek God just for what they can get for themselves and for, 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 for benefits and for blessings and material things. But the word was not just to seek for yourself, but to seek his face, to seek him, to seek him. And when he spoke those words, at that moment, there was a sound like a thunderclap that echoed throughout the building. And the pastor was literally picked up and he was thrown backwards about 10 feet, effectively separating him from the pulpit. The pastor went backwards, but when the pastor went backwards, the pulpit went forwards and it fell forward. And by the time it hit the ground, it was in two pieces. It had split into two pieces, almost as if lightning had hit it. And at that moment, the tangible terror of the presence of God filled the auditorium. Now, Tommy was at the, at the, at the sound desk. He took the microphone by the sound desk, and he said... In case you weren't aware of it, God has just moved in this place. And he said to the people, the pastor is fine. He's going to be fine. Because the pastor was flat on his back, 10 feet behind the pulpit. Actually, it was two and a half hours. Two and a half hours before the pastor could get up. No one paid much attention to the split pulpit. They were too occupied with the torn heavenlies. The presence of God had hit that place like some kind of a bomb. People began to weep and wail. And so Tommy had the microphone at the back, and he said, if you are not where you need to be, this is a good time to get right with God. People rushed to the front, and some were even stacked on top of one another in the most horribly harmonious sound of repentance you ever heard. It was, the first, it was the first of seven altar calls that day. And when it was time for the 11 o'clock service to begin, that all happened in the first service at 8.30 a.m. on the Sunday. But when it was time for the 11 o'clock service, nobody left the building. Many were on their faces. Little children were weeping in repentance. Many got saved that day, and they ended up baptizing people for hours as people drove into the parking lot, they sensed the presence of God so strongly that some began to weep uncontrollably. That's in the parking lot before they even got into the church. Some came inside only to fall to the floor just inside the doors. The ushers had a hard job. The hard-pressed ushers had to literally pull the helpless people away from the doors and place them along the walls of the, of the hallways to clear the entrance. There was no preaching at all that day. People began just to weep and to repent. 
It was like Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. And then in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Repentance. My eyes have, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What Isaiah the prophet used to think was, he used to think was clean and holy, and now looked just like filthy rags. The sun, that, that Sunday, the, the morning service started at 8.30 a.m. And it finished at 1 a.m. on Monday morning. Did not stop from 8.30 a.m. all day Sunday through part of the night till 1 a.m. Monday morning. 16 and a half hour service. They didn't even have to announce the service for Monday night. The people just came seven nights a week for the next four to five weeks, every night of the week. You know, there's a price when revival hits. Every night of the week. Every night of the week. You know, some people find it difficult to get here one, one Sunday morning, but seven nights a week for the next four to five weeks. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people stood in line to repent and receive Christ to worship and to pray. And for months, the manifest presence of God hovered over them. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we want to be those who obey you, who follow hard after you. Lord, even as we've been talking, Lord, about seeking your face, Lord, we pray that, Lord, it's not just another message, but, oh, God, you will translate it, Lord, even into seeking your face, about pressing into you, crying after you, wanting more of you, wanting to know your power and your glory. Lord, we pray. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, for each one here, that you would put a burden on our hearts to seek your face. Not just your benefits, but to seek your face. To seek your presence. To seek you for our country and our nation. Oh God, that you would be merciful. You'd spare us. Lord, that you would come in this nation. Lord, you would turn this nation to you. You would heal our land. You would forgive our sins, O oh God. Oh God, you would bring change in this nation, Lord. Lord, that you would come on the scene. Oh God, we cry out to you. We're desperate, Lord. We pray, Lord. Give us a hunger. Give us a thirst for you. May we be those who will seek your face. Oh God, we cry to you. Heal our land. Heal our nation. Move in this land. Place the burdens of your spirit upon our hearts so that we can pray as you would have us pray. Oh God, so we can seek you as we've never sought you before. And we thank you as we seek your face. You've promised that we, you will be found of us. We will find you. Oh, God, seal us to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.